Welcome to It's Time on CSN International, the daily teaching ministry from the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. On today's episode, we'll be listening to Senior Pastor Mike Kessler as he teaches in the book of Mark. Each of the four Gospels has a different approach and different audience targeted by the Holy Spirit. The book of Mark is a fast-paced, action-packed tome focused on Christ's role as a servant. By studying the examples of Christ in the book of Mark, we can learn a great deal about what our life as Christians should look like and the heart of Christ. With our study on Mark, here's Pastor Mike. Well, if you have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of Mark, chapter 10. Mark 10. We started chapter 10 of the book of Mark. And it's interesting, uh, this uh, chapter is full of what we call paradox. Now, that's not two physicians walking down the street. A paradox is where something becomes something else, and you don't really understand how that happens except in the Lord. Jesus talked about marriage. The two become one. Then also we talked about adults becoming children in verses 13 through 16. Children becoming adults. Or I mean, I should say adults becoming children. Well, now in verse 17, we find that the rich become poor. But then the poor become actually rich. And so now it says in verse 17, as he was going on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Now, first of all, you got this guy come running and it says uh, he came running. So you might say physically he had the right posture. He was eager to know what God would say to him or what this teacher would say to him. But you know, there's more than... um, just your physical to being approaching your approach to God than, than just the outside. It's the inside as well, as we'll soon see here. He says, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but God. Now, it's kind of funny here. Jesus is not saying he's not God. But what he is saying is, what are you saying here? Are you saying that I'm good? Are you saying that I'm God? Because actually, they both would go together. Well, he goes on. Verse 19, notice he says, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And notice he says, and the young man said to Jesus, teacher, I have observed all these from my youth. Now, that's pretty good. In other words, this guy is saying, I have followed the Ten Commandments. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, I I like this. Jesus was able to put his finger right on this guy's issue, right exactly what he needed in his life. He was feeling pretty self-righteous. He said, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, well, basically follow the commandments. And the young man said, I've done all these things. And I think he was expecting Jesus to say, smiley face for you. But what Jesus actually was able to do is put his finger right on what it was in his life. Now, friends, again, about the time we think we're Captain Shiny Buttons, God comes along and he has a way to put his finger on the issue where we lack in our lives. You know, it's not what we excel in that ruin our life, friends. Oftentimes it's what we don't excel in. That does it. Again, it it doesn't matter how many traffic laws that you've kept in your life. It's the one red light you run is the one you get a ticket for. And, And we'll find this oftentimes in our entire life that we do a lot of things, but it isn't the good things. It's the bad thing that we do that'll ruin us. 
Jesus knows this about each one of us, and, and we really understand that God in his love and in his care wants to have us excel. And knowing this, we've talked about this before, none of us remain static in our road in this life. Uh, in other words, we are co- continually going somewhere in this life. Now, if we're on the wrong road, know a couple of things. One, every mile you go on the wrong road is another mile you've got to turn around and come back. I don't know if you ever missed your off-ramp. This is found to be true. You go, you miss it, you got to go down. Now, some of us like to just make a U-turn right in the middle of the freeway. I've seen that. I've done that. Don't arrest me. That's just the truth. But we've done that. Now, now, I understand a couple of things about this. Friends, if you're on the wrong road of your life, get off of it and turn around and let God heal you. That's called repentance. That's where we recognize that there is something wrong. Now, friends, I believe as we and Christians living our lives together, we are going to recognize and at times in our lives we are on the wrong road. Jesus didn't fault this man for keeping all the good things that he did, but there was one thing that had become foremost in his life, and we're going to see what it is. Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said to him, one thing you lack. Now, if Jesus was to look at me, he'd say, "Mm, about 10,000 things you lack. But he was able to look at this guy and say, one thing you lack. One thing, that's pretty good. Go your way, so far so good. Uh Uh-oh, sell what you have, give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and then come, take up your cross, and follow me. But when the young man heard this, he was sad at his word, and went away grieved, for he had many possessions. Wow! Do you see what Jesus did here? He was able to put his finger on the thing in which become the God in this man's life. Apart from maybe we might even say self-righteousness, he was able to put his finger on it and say, Look, you've done everything well except one thing, and this is what you need to do. Go sell what you have, give the money to the poor, take up your cross, and follow me. Now, you know, we don't even know the name of this guy. I suppose if this man would have went out and sold everything that he had, decided to follow Christ, we would know the name of this guy, and he'd have been an example for all of us to the positive, unfortunately, rather than to the negative. Well, verse 23. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, now remember this, he went away grieved. This rich guy thought he had it all together, thought he was going to get a a letter of recommendation, and rather that, that Jesus, knowing his heart, knew exactly what he needed. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for those who have riches to enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus said again to them, Children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? Oh, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were all astonished beyond measure, saying to themselves, Who then can be saved? And Jesus, looking at them, said, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Here it's a funny thing that Jesus says. He says that rich people trust in their riches rather than in God. Now, friends, you can think about it in your own life. You know, when you first got saved... You know, and Jesus became real in your life, and you recognized his presence in everything that you did, and we started praying about everything. That's one of the most important things I think you can do as a, as a new Christian or an old Christian is pray about everything. The Bible says it like this, pray without ceasing. 
Now that means always having God in a a condition of your heart where you're referencing off of everything, bringing it before the Lord, asking him to soften your heart so you'll be in his will. Now, one of the things that it talks about here is, is, is he said, how hard is it for the rich to go into heaven? They trust in their riches. When you're first saved, I mean, we'd pray about everything. Oh God, let my old car start one more time. Oh, thank you, God. And it was that way on everything. I, I mean, you know, we'd have a washing machine. Go junk, a junk, a junk, a junk. God, let it do one more load, please, God. We lay on our hands, anoint it with, you know, Wesson. You know, we we were we were, you know, God, let it do another load. And God begins to bless us. We, we bring our finances to the Lord. And what I mean by that, this isn't a sermon on money, but the thing is when we go to God and we say, Lord, my resources are yours. Now, you know, you know a lot of the kooky things that we used to spend our money on, like, you know, $5,000 a month drug habits and those kinds of things kind of go away. And now all of a sudden we start having money and we could buy washing machines that work and cars that actually start. And all of a sudden, we don't pray over our washing machines anymore. We don't pray over our cars. In fact, I found that if you have enough money, you don't pray over anything. Have you ever noticed how sometimes God gets our attention through financial crises in our lives? Or some other lack in our life where we realize that we are beyond the ability in ourselves to meet that need. And we go, God, help! Well, the rich oftentimes forget God. David even recognized this. He said, Lord, don't make me so rich that I forget you and don't make me poor so that I beg and I'm an embarrassment to your kingdom. Friends, I I believe that. A lot of times people say, you know, if I just won the lottery, and I've said this too. Now, probably it helps to buy a ticket. (laughs) And the couple that I bought in my life, less than $10 worth, I didn't win. I figure if God wanted me to be rich, he would have let one of those work. So I, but we oftentimes think, you know, if I just had money, my problems would be solved. Yes, and we talked about this beforehand, but you know, a lot of your problems would go away. Some of the financial issues that you had, if you won the lottery or, you know, Uncle Fred died and left you with, you know, 15 bazillion dollars and all of a sudden the lawyer calls you up and says, hey, we just made a deposit into your account and you have this much money and you go, whoopee, a lot of your problems, some of them would go away. But you know, it's going to open up a whole nother set of problems. And I would venture to say little in life that's prepared you for. Jesus said this, that this can be a real problem. The, 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 the things of this world can be an entrapment to you. There are many times people have been blessed by God and they, they, God's uh, given them resources. And again, they have cars and they, that run and washing machines and, and all these kinds of things that operate properly. We don't pray anymore. And in fact, we don't even have time for God anymore. I, I got this new Winnebago and I got to go drive it. See you, God. Let you know when I got a problem. I'll be back, you know. And, and, and we take off. And, we, and, and, and it isn't until we have a crisis in our life that we realize that, God, I'm sorry. And, 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 and Lord, I, I've left you out of my plans. Now, friends, do you think this is possible for a Christian to do this? Oh, yeah. All the way across it is. The cares of this life can be a grievous thing. And, and, and we remember Paul writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy about the last chapter or so in 2 Timothy. He said that, that some of his friends who had walked with him, who had been co-labors in the Lord with him, having loved this present world, have departed. 
and gone back into the world. So God knows what we need. This man, interestingly, if you want to look at verse 17, interestingly enough, as a prayer, friends, notice how God answered that prayer. You know, sometimes when we pray, we ask God for something and we have a preconceived idea how God is going to answer that prayer. Don't we? We, You know, you know, God, I can't pay the rent this month. So, you know, that envelope laying on the sidewalk out there somewhere that's full of money that I'll find tomorrow. We have always an idea how God's going to do it, don't we? I do. And a lot of times we we think we pray with faith. And God, that's just faith. Yeah, there's going to be an envelope laying on the sidewalk. And I'm going to pick it up and wahoo! We have an idea of what God's going to do. Well, this guy, I'm sure, had an idea. Notice, he came running. Knelt before him. Now, Now, that's pretty good. He ran and he knelt. Sounds so spiritual, doesn't it? Ran and knelt. Notice. Good teacher. Complimentary as well. What shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Friends, when you talk to God, that is a prayer. And Jesus answered that prayer when he said, Go sell what, go your way, sell what you have, give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come, take up your cross, and follow me. But he was sad at this word. You know, I I think a lot of times when God answers our prayers and we don't want to hear what God has to say, we want to walk away. Friends, listen, if God has ever answered your prayer in a way that maybe you weren't real impressed with, all I can tell you is this and share with you is this. God's got the best for you. And he's watching out for your best interest on the long run. You know, we, we all like instant gratification. We've grown up in a society of instant everything, from instant hamburgers to instant on radios. Some of you people remember the old televisions you turned on and they had tubes in them. Yes, a long time ago, back when the earth was cooling, there were tubes inside of radios and televisions. You turn it on and you had to wait for it to come on. And sometimes, and I don't know if this ever happened to any of you, you turn it on and you waited and you waited and every once in a while, like it would break and like, you know, 20 minutes later, it never did come on. There's something wrong with it. Well, that was part of the wait. And we would have to go. Now, we go to a a restaurant. We make our order. If they don't bring it in like three minutes, you know, uh, yes, I would like a hamburger, please. I'd like, and they don't bring it in like 15, 20 minutes. We're wondering if they have to go out and kill a cow someplace. Or, you know, we order a fish dinner. What are they all down at the river catching it or something? Where is it? We're impatient by nature, friends. And we expect everything like this. Well, you know, when we pray sometimes, we expect God to be on that same thing and answer my way. And friends, I found out something. God doesn't do that. In fact, quite often when I pray, I have already said, Lord, I don't know what to do about this. And so God then in his love reaches out, begins in his way to do what's going to be best for the overall of my life and for your life. Now, I don't always understand that, and I don't understand how God always does that, but you know what God does? And so I would uh, just invite you, if you pray, and you ask God to do something, just beware. God's going to do what He wants to do in your life. He knows where to put His finger on it. You may excel in many of the areas, just like this guy did. He said, all the commandments I have done and observed since I was young. But Jesus was able to put His finger on that very thing that could be that which would keep him from the kingdom of heaven. Friends, God knows what you need. Well, Jesus now then says, 
It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to go into the kingdom of heaven. Now, there's some people that say, well, over in Israel, there's this arch that was very low, and the camel could go through it, and he had to get down on his knees and kind of scrunch across it. But you know, a lot of Bible uh, historians just say, no, what Jesus was meaning here is exactly what Jesus was saying here. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to go into the kingdom of heaven. And why is that? Because people trust in money rather than in God. And all I can say is if, if, God, if God has in your life given you maybe not, maybe not the riches of this world, all I can say is this, you have God in your life. And God has a way of doing exactly and ministering exactly what you need and giving what you need to help you every stretch of the way. Listen, if you're thinking that you're going to trust in things of this world, listen, I feel bad. I talked to some people that I know that had moved down to the uh, Georgia area where the, 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 the hurricane before last hit. They lost everything. Everything, friends. And people then turned to the government. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Well, listen... Again, there's no guarantees in this life. The only one for sure that we can go to is God. And I would just invite you to, you know, to really reach out to the Lord. And if there's an issue in your life that, you, that has got you stretched this morning, like tight, like a rubber band, and you think you're going to break. Listen, all I can tell you is this. God has a way of ministering to that need. And only God can do it. Now, verse 26 They were astonished. The disciples couldn't believe beyond measure amongst themselves. Who then can be saved? Well, that's a great question. If if there is, because in in those days, if anybody had anything, you were considered wealthy. Who then can be saved? Who could be saved? Well, friends, listen. What's impossible for man is possible for God. God knows how to save a person in spite of themselves and in spite of where they're at. Some of you might say, well, you know, I'm praying for my Uncle Fred. And he's very wealthy. What am I going to do? All I can tell you is this. You pray. God knows how to reach him. What's impossible for man is possible for God. God knows how to reach him. Verse 28. Then Peter. And you know, I like Peter because Peter says stuff. And, and sometimes he's not always in gear when he does that. And Peter began to say to him, see, we have left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, assuredly, I say to you, There is no one who has left house or brothers or sister or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who will not receive it a hundredfold in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and land with persecutions. I don't like that. Let's mark that out. Okay. I I, I like the thing of getting everything back a whole lot, but I don't like this persecution thing. So let's just, no, we can't do that. You see, there is going to be persecution as you serve God because you're a live fish swimming upstream. We we live in a world, friends, that's against everything that is good. In fact, the Bible says if the last days, and I believe that's where we're at, friends, what they say is good is evil and evil is good. Do you know they they just struck down, uh, uh, there was a vote in California. I don't know how many people were following that. And uh, what it was is that uh, children under the age, I think, of 18 or 16 could not have an abortion without first notifying the parents. And do you know the voters of California turned that down and said it was okay for a child to get an abortion and never notify the parent? Does that give you an idea where the family value system in America has gone? They turned it down. Here they had a chance to vote pro-family for life And the people of California voted it down. 
I'm amazed by that. I look at that and I go, how could any rational thinking person turn down a parent's rights over their children? I don't understand those things. Well, they're going to get an abortion. Yeah, but mom, dad, don't you think you have a right to know what your kids are doing? But see, we live in a society today that is so fragmented, so far from God, that what is evil is good and what is good is evil. Jesus here is saying that, you know, there are going to be people. As they come into the body of Christ, they are going to lose certain things. Again, I say to you, verse 29 again, There is no one who has left house or brothers or sister or father or mother, wife, children or lands for my sake and the gospels, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands, with persecution and in the age to come, eternal life. Jesus is saying, listen, you're going to lose something when you decide to follow me, but you're going to gain something when you do. You know, many of you are the brothers and sisters to people in this church that they lost when they chose to serve Christ. I had a girl one time in our church come to me and she says, my mom doesn't want to have anything to do with me. She said, why can't you just eat drugs like all your friends? You get in this just Jesus stuff. You know who became her mom and dad and brothers and sisters? All of you. Many of you don't have really maybe a mom or a dad that you can look up to because perhaps you never knew your mom or you never knew your dad. Maybe your dad ran out on you when you were five years old or two years old or you never did meet him. Well, dads, I got something to say to you. You just inherited some kids. You see, they're looking at you. They're judging you. Maybe you didn't have a a real grandma or a real grandpa to give you a good idea what it's like to get older in your life. I mean, do people really still love Jesus when they get older? And, And how do you age gracefully? Well, thank God for the older people in our fellowship. That you can actually look at and you see the sweetness in their life and the way they behave. And you say, wow, that's pretty neat. They had that relationship with God their entire life. And I see what it's like. You know, to, to, to try to go around today and find kids that have their real mom and their real dad in the home. And if, if you're one of these or you have a, 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 what we might call a blended family or a fragmented family, I want, I want to just tell you, God is there to help you be and restore to you what was lost in the world by believing the lies of this world. But if you're a, a, a child of a, of a real mom and a real dad that you knew that grew up, were in love with each other, I want to tell you something. You're a minority in this society. If you're single and you're looking for somebody like that, I, I want to tell you, God has that person for you and will help you find it. But outside of Christ, I don't think you will. They're so rare to find anyone like that in this world. Listen, we live in a fragmented world, friends, and this is why the Bible says these things. Listen, there's going to be a lot of things that are lost when you come to Christ. Many of you had to lose your jobs. I've shared this story before about a guy that was working for a company, and and he became a Christian, wanted to do what was right. And Friday afternoon, everybody checked out at 3 o'clock. One guy would stay behind and punch all the time cards out. And so once, about every three or four weeks... Uh, they would have to one. They would always alternate who was going to be the stay behind guy to punch everybody out. Well, he couldn't do it anymore. He said, "I can't lie and steal from the company and do that." Well, we punched you out last week, and now it's your turn to punch us all out uh, this Friday, two hours early. And he said, "I can't do it." Well, of course, when he didn't do it, he became the enemy of the entire shop, and and so it wasn't long that he wasn't there anymore. He lost his job because he wasn't dishonest and punch everybody out when. That Friday afternoon at 3 o'clock came. But you know what? God had another job for him. 
God had another job for you. Though some of those buddies that he hung around the shop that were no longer his friends anymore, he became reliant upon the church to be his friends. Friends, listen, church should not be a spectator sport. Church is an active, living body that interacts with one another. And let me tell you something. Without love, you're going to rub, we're all going to rub elbows with each other. And any family that's a family here, you know that not everything runs always the way it should in home, right? You're going to rub elbows with somebody and they're going to get upset. They're going to get their feathers ruffled. Well, you don't just say, well, I'm not a kid in this family anymore. I'm out of here. You learn to work through it. Friends, I want to encourage you the same thing. We all go through things. In the family of God. We all, there's going to be people that are going to offend each other in this church. Probably this week. All I can tell you is this. Learn to love. Learn to overlook it. Learn to understand that everybody has bad days. Sometimes people are overstressed. Sometimes people feel guilty because of what they've done during the week. Sometimes they feel lost. They don't know what to do and they get frustrated. I just want to say, be a family to it. That's Pastor Mike Kessler on It's Time. If you've missed any part of today's episode, I'd like to inform you that we offer It's Time for free as a podcast download in the iTunes store. If you'd like a hard copy that you can keep and share, give us a call at 800-357-4226 and the operator can help you with that. Don't forget, It's Time to Grow. Pastor Mike's book on the Christian walk is also available completely free for you by calling that toll-free number I just mentioned. Tune in next time for more It's Time.